Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the 2019 film Carmilla. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. Oh, we both did it. At the same time, I'm sure that sounded absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I'm going to remix that into something good. <laughs> Do you reckon we can share my vampire remix of one of our Palomino Club songs yes. during Halloween? It's got, got rude words in it, but that's never stopped us, has it? No. <laughs> I, I, don't, I must still have it somewhere if you don't have it. It must be somewhere. I'm, I'm sure I've got it. Yeah, a lot of the remixes. I could probably could probably do like one of those clip show episodes of all of just the little songs that I've made out of the songs that you've sang to me <laughs> over the years. That would be that would be amazing. I think we should definitely do that. Oh, oh no, I'm a sad man from Ireland. That was one of my faves. Oh god, I forgot about that. Yeah, I think the best one is still um, the Randy Newman one. <laughs> Yes, I agree. Randall Newman, that, uh, the composer Randall, of Randall Marriage Newman. Story. <laughs> Which, yes. Put a clip of it in this episode. Oh, well, I'll put um, it right here. Our marriage is falling apart. Our marriage is falling apart. I hate you and you hate me, so let's go and get a divorce. Just to just to kick off the spooky month with something nice and lighthearted. Oh, <laughs> something what, nice and in, lighthearted. You know, yeah. you know what um, I mean. Although I, I do have an actual song for us to share at the end of this episode. Yes, you do. Um, I have a song that is out. Um, as of the time of recording, it's out literally the morning after we're recording. Um, I have done a spooky dark folk version of classic Appalachian folk song in the pines. Yes. Um, popularized um most recently i guess by a mixture of nirvana and mark lanagan who've done various amazing versions of it have i don't have i heard the final version i don't know if you have um you've heard basically the final version i just mixed it um obviously the the maybe the best version in terms of recorded ones is the version by lead belly um but um but your people will recognize it um, from Nirvana and Mark Lanigan, who've all done very good versions too. Um, but yes, for spooky season, I've made a spooky song. Excellent, as everyone should. It should be the law. <laughs> it should. You must make a spooky song during spooky season. In tribute to the pumpkin gods of spooky season. <laughs> exactly. And then when people exactly. come to your door and say trick or treat, actually what you do is you sing them the song. Yeah, that, that's, that's what trick or treat's all about. You get the treat of a spooky song. Yeah. Are you going to dress up? Do you guys dress up? No, only if we're going to a party or something like that. Um, going to a what? Which, uh, a, a party. What's a party? I believe that's what young people do where they go somewhere and be around other human beings. Sounds bad. <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? But if you're going there to go to go and be around, you know, undead creatures, wolves, not werewolves, wolves, 
<laughs> zombies, <laughs> ghosts, vampires and stuff, then that's fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's um that's completely fine. Yeah, well, we get a lot of trick-or-treaters, and last year I didn't really dress up, and I tried to do the ghost thing with the sheet, and it didn't really work. So I just looked like a guy with a sheet over his head. Because, you know, if you if you use like a if you use a fitted sheet, I couldn't find the non-fitted sheet. So, you know, it's got those kind of like those pinchy bits all around it that are pulling it in. Um, so I put it over my head, but those bits were sort of like pinching around my arms in a weird way, and it confused a lot of children. Ah, I see. I so see. I've purchased a new Dracula cloak. For the oh, princely very sum nice. of five pounds, and I'm going to wear that. <laughs> very good. Very With some good. fangs that will inevitably be too small for my mouth. Yeah, we've got a few things for the kids who trick or treat if they come to our door. Um, you know, some sweets and then a couple of um, couple of decorations outside. But yeah, we're not going to. We're just going to leave stuff out there for them. Um, yeah. You know, COVID's COVID's still around. We don't want to accidentally pass COVID to some kiddies. No, um, no. If 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 it's something that could happen, I don't know if you can hear that, but my phone just went off. Alexa has just heard me. I can hear a wibbly wobbly sound in the background. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I think it heard me talking about coronavirus and decided it wanted to give me some information on coronavirus. Thank oh. you, phone. Go away now. Stay alert. Stay home. Save lives. That's what it <laughs> exactly. said. That's exactly. I didn't know you had an Alexa. I wasn't sure if you'd um, be down with that, because I'm very much not down with any device that's listening to me, even though my phone is obviously listening to me all the time. Um, I basically, the um, well, it's whatever the, the Google thing is called. Oh, Google. On my phone. Don't you just say, okay, Google? Maybe. I don't know. I never use it. I Like like you, I don't really like it. Oh, like on your phone. I yeah. thought you were saying you had you had a smart home device. No, we we do also have a smartphone device that is literally just there to be a Bluetooth speaker to listen to music whilst we work. So you can shout at it. <laughs> okay, Google, play Lead Belly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Alexa, play Lead Belly. It should now be playing something. It is now playing Lead Belly, so there we go. Oh, cool! It's yeah, oh yeah, because I'm still an Apple Apple fanboy, but I have Siri turned off on all my devices. I never uh, liked Siri. It's because he's too smug. Yeah. So if I go, "Hey Siri, play Smooth" by Rob Thomas featuring Santana. Sorry, Santana featuring Rob Thomas. <laughs> nothing happens. I have to manually hit the hit the button. You have to manually hit the button. <laughs> It's going to get us another um, copyright warning on YouTube. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, Siri, Siri's too smug, though. He's all like, I'm a posh voice. Is Siri not female? I think the default is male, and then you can be female. Oh, I thought it was female. It always, mine always sounded female to me for the one second it was on before I ever turned it off every time I get a new device. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I think maybe maybe they've changed it. And there was an original male voice, and then they've they've swapped them round, right? But basically, the Internet of Things is a load of old shit. The same as NFTs; it's all bad. <laughs> you, whatever the thing in your house is, you don't need a smart version of it. Dumb that, things. Let's have more dumb things, and that applies to films as well. Are you referring to the NFT versions of the Lord of the Rings? Oh well, no, but we could talk about that if you want. <laughs> I'm very excited to watch versions of Lord of the Rings of interactive menus 
as if it's a DVD from the year 2000. Is that what it was? I didn't. You sent me the link earlier today, and to be honest, I just saw <laughs> yeah, Lord of the Rings NFTs, and I replied saying that's bad, and I didn't actually too, look at you it. You were too angry to look at it. Yeah, um, yeah. They went through all of these amazing uh, features that the NFT versions will have, and one of them they called out is interactive menus. Um, <laughs> it's like great. That's a really good. Literally, price. like a DVD used to like used to have on DVDs. Yeah. All the young kids, the TikTok generation, listening to this now, going, "What's a DVD?" But yeah, they're trying to take us back to the early two thousands. It's early to mid two thousand. It's the same with the metaverse, isn't it? Where it just looks like Second Life. But I, I don't understand what the purpose of these NFT versions of Lord of the Rings are. It's apart to scam from, money out of people. Apart from to get money out of idiots. <laughs> yeah. What is what is the purpose? We already own these movies in various different formats. What they've already taken the hobbits to Isengard. What but possible... now you can own a hobbit that's going to Isengard digitally yourself for a lot of yeah. money. It's just it's just really ridiculous. NFTs are awful. It's, NFTs it's, are bad. NFTs are the final absurdity of capitalism, essentially, which is let's create scarcity out of things which, by their definition, should not be scarce, like digital products. Yeah, in the most cynical, exploitative way. Yeah, yeah. It's it's truly awful. Did you see Idiot Artist Man? Um, who's the the crystal skull Kanye dickhead. West. Who's the crystal skull dickhead? Damien Hurst? No. <laughs> I thought you were say that, uh, that's the Indiana Jones movie that I haven't seen. <laughs> Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones and the Crystal, and the crystal Skull, skull Dickhead. dickhead. <laughs> da- Damien Hurst. <laughs> yeah, Damien Hurst. Probably the shittest artist of our time. I have no time for him and his work. It's a load of bollocks. Um, He basically has made NFTs of some of his artwork and then burned the originals. Of course he has. Because that's, that's the kind of work where it's all like supposed to be edgy, but it's so... It's the exact opposite of what it's supposed to be, what it pretends to be, all of his stuff. It's like, yeah, great, it's a shark in a tank, whatever. You're more concerned about money and schlock than anything else. And I mean, this is the the the, the most cynical, horrible element of the art world just instilled in one thing, isn't it? Which is, I could create art for the sake of creating art. I could create digital art, which I then share with people for free. But no, I'm going to monetize it in the most cynical possible way, in a way that also kills the environment. Because yeah. it's not as though our planet is dying constantly <laughs> because of climate change. Yeah. Like, fuck off and take your stupid half a cow with you. <laughs> I, I, he's going to literally do that. He's going to be carrying it on his back, just dragging it down the street. If he was a real proper artist, he'd bisect himself and put himself in formaldehyde. <laughs> I'd Go love on, to mate. see it. You call yourself a shock artist. It makes me so angry, so angry that something that should be so democratic as art is put through this monetization model, not just by companies. Like, obviously, companies are bad. But you can kind of excuse companies because that's what their purpose is. Their purpose is to make money. But when you get individuals doing it, for the grind of it, it just takes all of the emotion out of the art because it and the only exists. reason that Damien Hirst and his ilk ever got big or got well known in, in art and made any money was because people with lots of money who ran advertising agencies bought all them all their artwork at yeah. vastly inflated prices yeah to create a fake market around it because it's about money and not about art 
Damien Hirst couldn't paint anything. And that's not, you know, the the modern art argument isn't always, what people always say, oh, my five-year-old could have done that. And that isn't the point. I, I get that, you know, art is art if you say it's art, but like, or it's conceptual art. But if it comes from a place of cynicism, then you have to step back and say, is there any skill or value or anything to anything that he does? And the answer is no. It's just you're right it's the cynicism isn't it yeah i'm not it's being just... very coherent about this because it's late and i'm tired but yeah <laughs> but basically if you're gonna be an artist don't be a dickhead yeah that that that's our real message here don't be a cynical exploitative edgelord who loves rolling around in scrooge mcduck, McDuck style piles of money <laughs> basically i just forgot that um, his artwork, The Crystal Skull, was called For the Love of God. Huh, edgy. Some, it's make you think about religion and stuff, yeah? It's it's well, well meaningful, yeah. There was, what, well, didn't it get stolen? Or was there something like a kid stole some of his artwork and then, like, he was held, he, like, had to, they sent, like, a SWAT team after him and threatened him with legal action or whatever. Well, I think what happened was that a fellow called Indiana Jones realised that the Crystal Skull was actually an ancient Aztec artefact that had something to do with aliens. Um, Right, and he turned up with a whip. He turned up with a whip, and then he whipped some people, and then he grabbed the skull and went off and went on a a very CGI-filled adventure. Yeah. I I enjoyed the part in that film where Damien Hirst got whipped, Castlevania-style. The thing is that the Crystal Skull of Damien Hirst did have one good thing that came out of it, which is the video game 50 Cent Blood on the Sand. (laughs) I have heard about this game. (laughs) Which is one of the two 50 Cent action video games that came out in the 2000s. There are two. Okay, I didn't know that. There's 50 Cent Bulletproof, which is the first one. Um, because he is bulletproof. Um, basically, fi- the the plot of Fifty Cent Bulletproof is relatively, relatively grounded, shall we say? <laughs> um, Fifty Cent. There's a hitman who tries to kill him, and then he goes to go and get um, vengeance on the hitman. Um, it's sort of grounded in that way. That is not the case for 50 Cent Blood on the Sand, um, where 50 Cent has been hired to play a rap concert in some kind of nondescript Middle Eastern country. It's never explained what country it is. Um, They've been hired to play a rap show with G-Unit. he can't get paid the $10 million that he was promised for playing this concert, so instead gets given a crystal skull, and that's his payment. However, then, a group of terrorists steals the crystal skull, and 50 Cent must fight through this unnamed country to get his crystal skull back. Right, of course. Which is a great premise for a video game. Where's the movie of that? Where's where's hot? Where's you know, our... Never mind the Super Mario movie or whatever. You know, where's the movie of that where's, starring where's, Fifty Cent? Where's our video game? Where's our where's our movie of Fifty Cent Blood on the Sand? 
That's what the people I, want. I can't wait to see Chris Pratt playing 50 Cent. <laughs> Doing his normal Chris Pratt <laughs> voice. Where's my you skull You can find gone? me in the club. <laughs> Everybody's um, in the club getting tipsy. Well, that just happened in the club. That's my, <laughs> that's my Chris Pratt. Um, so... Yeah, um, so that's one good thing that came out of it is that there are suggestions that maybe the Crystal Skull was inspired by Damien Hurst's Crystal Skull. Right, and no one I'm else has ever out, thought of a Crystal Skull. I'm going to come out and say it. 50 Cent Blood on the Sand is more of a work of art than Damien Hurst's Skull. Absolutely, a, a thousand percent. I mean, it does say more about the state of the climate in 2009 because it's so tied up in Islamophobia and the anti-terrorism movement of that period, really. So actually, as a serious point, I'd argue that 50 Cent Blood on the Sand has more of a touch of the zeitgeist about it. Any than... video game is more of a work of art than Damien, H- Damien Hurst's art, because <laughs> you can you can actually play it and enjoy yourself for five minutes. You know, Whereas the only person enjoying himself over Damien Hurst's art is Damien Hurst. Exactly, yeah. And I, um, I, I do even include video games that I think are rubbish, like Call of Duty and FIFA and whatever, and the, the games that idiots play. Those are included in that as well. <laughs> those are those are more those are more of a work of art than anything Damien Hurst has ever done. I I'm going to use this as a vague tangent to get back onto the topic of horror movies. Yeah, um, I, I don't know how I was ever going to manage that one. So yeah, so you can do that. I've been pl- I've been playing a very good video game, which is a horror game, sort of called a plague tale requiem and this is a sequel to a video game from a few years ago called a plague tale innocence and in that you play um a a young girl called amicia during the hundred years war in france and you're trying to look after your younger brother hugo and it's like a horror game you're trying to keep away from english soldiers keeping away from the inquisition and also keeping away from hordes and hordes of horrifying killer rats. I think I've heard it's about amazing. this. It's amazing. I think it looks good. Um, I really love it. And then the sequel's just come out, and I had a I had a review copy of it, and it's awesome. And once again, you're Amicia. You've got your your little brother Hugo. You've got some other friends along the way, and you've got a million killer rats. Awesome. What a great premise. And those rats are horrifying. And now we can awkwardly move our way into speaking about horror movies. And <laughs> you this know what else film, is horrifying? The movie Carmilla. Yeah, it's not not really, is it? There's one or two like <laughs> no, kind there's of one or two gruesome scenes, gruesome scene, dream scenes that sort of come out of nowhere, and that's kind of it, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's much more subtle and laid back in terms of that approach to horror, isn't it? So, have you do you seen this before? I had seen this before, yeah. So we watched it in the cinema um, because it is filmed around Sussex, ah, um, which is where right. I am from and where I live. And um, and so there was like an early screening of it or like the initial screenings were done in the, the cinema that's latest to us, uh, oh, closest cool. to us. So we went to go see it there um, early on. And I thought, you know what? This is a romantic horror movie. It's got some vampires in it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, but has it got vampires in it, though? Oh, that's the question. Is it vampires? That's the big question. Or is it just really passionate lesbians? I mean, I've often wondered if Greg Wise is a vampire, but that's that's kind of beside (laughs) the point. Yes. Um, 
he might be he might be you never know um but yeah this is a movie of um it's a movie of forbidden love certainly and it's a movie of repression and it does have that angle of is this is this a lesbian love movie that's then um also you know this person being horrifically murdered for being a lesbian at the end spoiler alert for the end of yeah <laughs> Carl Miller. um it's based on, as we discussed previously, um, Sheridan Le Fanu's short story novella, Carmilla. Um, the initial plot is kind of similar between the two, but the movie goes in a different direction as it goes on. Um, yes, and I read that the they, what they tried to do with the movie was actually to kind of take out the vampire stuff and to actually just use the the romantic plot and make it more about that, which is, which is fair enough, but that disappointed me because I wanted vampire action. You wanted more, more vampire action. Yeah. I can, I can see that. I can see that. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's more of a, very much more of a love story, this one, and about the repression of the era, um, about that isolation that people feel. Um, and yeah, it's, it's not as vampire-y as you might want if you wanted something purely vampire-based. I don't think there are any fangs in it at all. No, no, there's a little bit of blood and then some dream sequence blood. But apart from that, it's 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 the game of whispers, isn't it? Yeah, which danger. is not the same thing as a game of thrones. <laughs> no, it is not. Um, but overall, did you enjoy? Did you enjoy Carmen? Uh, I'm not sure if I'm honest. I found oh. it a bit dour and a bit boring. I think this is not really to my taste. It, it was a bit... Oh, I wouldn't say it's bad. I can objectively see that it is good, but I didn't find it an enjoyable experience to watch myself. That makes ah, sense. Fair enough. Fair I enough. just I found it slow and dour and boring and kind of... It was... It's, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, to compare it to The Crow isn't fair in any way, apart from <laughs> that something that we watched recently where we talked about how so much of the storytelling in that film and what it shares with Blade Runner is that so much of the storytelling happens through atmosphere, right? Yeah. More so than yeah. dialogue than anything else. And I thought this film was really, really trying hard to tell the story through atmosphere rather than through excessive dialogue or characterization or anything and i got what it was trying to do but it didn't grab me although i thought it hadn't grabbed me and then the moments when sort of the tension does spill over so when um she sees that they're they're beating carmelo it's quite a horrific scene and she runs into the room and it's like stop and then at the very end as well that did i i was shocked by that so it did so that was good i thought but overall i was sitting there just going this is a bit dull most <laughs> of the time. But yeah, I think it's it's this is the style of film that I filmmaking that I don't particularly enjoy. It was a bit like um what was that one with Matthew Good where he was Matthew Bad? Oh, um Oh, what's it called? That had a similar tone to this. It's yeah. a tone thing, I think. Um oh, what's it called? Stoker. Stoker. That's, that's the one. Right, yeah. So nothing to do with Bram Stoker or Dracula. <laughs> no, but that's an interesting parallel, isn't it? That that comes yeah. up here. Um, yeah, I can kind of see that. I think Stoker is a little bit more of a cheeky film. Um, whereas this is... Well, if it's got him out of leap here in it, you know, it's got some cheek. Got some cheek, definitely. <laughs> this is quite a dour movie and very deadpan. 
and I think maybe it's that deadpan element that that disagreed with you. Um, it's quite ponderous and quite one-paced. Yes, that was the thing. It felt like it was all sort of humming along until the kind of the climactic moment, moments, and then it was suddenly over. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I it's a, about an hour of sort of stern governess clanking crockery and not saying anything <laughs> over a table little bit of blood and dream sequences a couple of lesbian kisses a murder and then it's over yeah and i can see where you're coming from i think i enjoyed it more than you and i think that's because that's more of my style of thing i can appreciate just that um that oppression that a movie can give you i think maybe a little bit more than you can um so i really enjoyed the atmosphere of this isolation it's a really dark movie in terms of how it looks as well so you get these odd moments out in the vibrancy of the of of outside of the house but in spite of all of this greenery and all of this life around them a vast majority of this movie is spelt indoors in the dark and i quite enjoyed that kind of um that that dichotomy i suppose yeah no I, th- I think it did that contrast really well and it was really well shot um every single shot i was thinking that's really well framed it's really it's really elegant mm. it's you know, really mm. darkly elegant but yeah it's that style just doesn't grab me so i can i can see objectively that it's good for all those reasons but it was it was hard to engage with i was just instead of going oh is that greg wise oh is that him off of the crown oh yeah <laughs> him off of the crown <laughs> That's the that's um, the guy. Yeah, Prince, Prince Philip. Prince Prince Philip from the Crown. Um, Young Philip. <laughs> uh, Tobias Menzies is his name. That's the one. Um, also, he's been in the Game of Thrones. He's been as well. in the Game of Thrones. He's been in some other stuff. He was in a very very good comedy series called This Way Up. Have you seen Good This Way Up? No, I heard good things. You should about watch it. That. What think, was that? I think you'd enjoy it. Um, it is. Um, Created by and starring the Irish actor who I've forgotten the name of. Oh, Ashling B. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, um, it's almost. It feels a little bit like um, uh, what's it called? The oh, I've completely forgotten its name. Fleabag. Neither of us. Oh, Fleabag. Yeah, it's a little bit like Fleabag, but maybe with a little bit more heart to it. Um. It's a very okay. I'm open to the idea of that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really cool show. Um, I'd I'd recommend watching it. I think it's really good, and I think it's a little bit underrated actually. Um, so I'd 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 yeah I'd I'd give that a watch. Um, it's uh, it's yeah it's very very funny, and she's she's very funny obviously because she's she's brilliant in spite yeah. of being in that awful Home Alone movie. <laughs> last, oh no, yeah. last year. Um, it's uh, it's yeah it's really good. So highly highly recommend it. I'd completely forgotten about that film, and now as, I'm as had flashbacks. literally everybody else in the world. It had a lot of good people that I like, and then just yeah, they yeah, all, they, they, all, they completely yeah. wasted such a good cast of people, didn't they? Um, but speaking of of good casts, I think the casting in this movie is really good. Um, yeah. You've got Jessica Rain, you've got Greg Wise, as you mentioned, um, and I think the the lead duo of Hannah Ray and Devrim Lingnow, I think it's pronounced. Um, who's from from Germany? Who plays Carmilla? I think they're really good in those roles. Actually, mm. given, given the amount of weight that's put on them, um, I think I think they've done a really good job. Yeah, absolutely. I thought they, the performances themselves were really engaging. Mm. 
really really good and the performers and the characters completely understood what the film was trying to do which i think it would have been terrible if they their performances didn't match the atmosphere or didn't match as you say the the way it was shot and the colors and the contrast and all those kinds of things the performances matched that so so you can't fault it from that from that point of view it's a complete package yeah so i i think the real the real breaking point in this movie is how well you get on with the pacing and how well you get on with the tone i think and if you have if you have a tolerance for horror movies that people might find boring then but that are kind of drenched in atmosphere then i think you'll probably get more out of this movie than if you prefer something that's actually interesting yeah <laughs> which i think that's a mean way to put it but you know what i mean like i really i i appreciate the atmosphere and the slow pacing um as it slowly builds to these couple of very key moments um but if you do want something that's a little bit more engaging to watch then i think you'll probably bounce off it quite hard i think it's very much a a, a um a real binary movie in terms of people's responses to it i, I bounced off it softly <laughs> a, a soft a soft bounce yeah i didn't hurt myself <laughs> you didn't hurt yourself bouncing off yeah yeah um, i think it's just the difficulty is that it doesn't have any vampire action and obviously i've not read the novella that it's based on but it's famous for be- for having done the vampire thing 25 years before dracula um so i think fair enough yeah i would like to read it and check it out and see how much vampire action there is in the source text i'm sure there yeah, are other um, adaptations as well yeah i think um I think I've I've not read it, but I know a little bit about the um, I know I know a little bit about about the sort of story, and I think this is quite different as it goes on. Where I think it is very much more of a traditional, um, more of a traditional horror story, vampire story. Um, so um, yeah, I do think there's probably probably more that could have been done here if they did want to go down that more traditional route if they wanted to but clearly they did want to strip it back get rid of that have that ambiguity and then have a very very shocking ending i think the move the, the end of this movie is quite horrific um yeah. it's, it's not overly violent you don't see the violence at all but in a way that almost makes it worse yeah the the final the final scene i think is extremely effective and mm. a really really good end to the film that did make did raise my raise it in my estimation after sitting through the difficult pacing where she's just screaming and it kind of cuts it goes to complete silence and sort of like munch's scream at the end but i thought that was a really good end yeah yeah it is it is um it's it's very effective at the end and it kind of ties into the themes that they're they're going for here um but it is yeah it's not for everybody i think is probably the best way to describe this film if you like if you like your slow-paced horror if you're a fan of what do pretentious people call it the modern run of horror movies something that means it's not horror movies like you know graphic novels instead of comics there's probably a, a term like that isn't there yeah, there is a specific term. It's not alt horror. Elevated horror, that's right. Elevated horror? I've never heard that in my life. They've called it elevated horror and it's fucking stupid. Just call them just call them horror movies. I'm sorry I'm swearing quite a lot in this this <laughs> podcast, but and I, I like these elevated horror or art horror films. Um when we're when we're talking about things like um like Midsummer 
is one. I was going to say, does something like Midsummer, Midsummer, does that fit into that category? Yeah. So you've got stuff like Midsummer. Um, you've got um, Hereditary, the Ari Aster movies in general. Get Out often gets thrown in. Oh yeah, as well yeah. with this, the witch gets thrown in here as well. The Robert Eggers movie, um, it follows. And it's all it's all directors who are supposed to be clever, aren't they? And they all are, but it's that's the thing. People will never will never give that credit to someone who's directed a whole bunch of horror films, or I don't know, someone a bit seen as a bit more lowbrow. I can't think of anything. Well, John John Carpenter, for instance, even though his movies are incredibly effective and often very complex thematically people wouldn't refer to one of his movies like someone wouldn't call the thing an an elevated horror film yeah yeah because it's it's got pacing that's not glacial and yeah <laughs> and the soundtrack isn't just in various tones yeah <laughs> or even someone like Sam Raimi for example yeah yeah who's done you know films like drag me to hell and stuff like that it's you know that's just as good isn't it yeah that's the thing there's there's goodness within traditional horror and i think you can have that versatility of different horror movies without having to try and make it sound like something that pretentious guardian critics can go into without feeling shame and that's what it comes down to isn't it it's trying to (laughs) trying to it's an elitist idea you know and once again it comes down to people um having have looking down on genre fiction of all of its different forms looking down on once again it comes down to peter bradshaw (laughs) once again it comes down to peter bradshaw exactly (laughs) i'm sure he's written loads of things about how regular horror is bad but the only good horror (laughs) movies are ones where the directors are clever (laughs) and you can tell people how clever you are by knowing the director's name or whatever (laughs) yeah exactly exactly whereas you know what they're just different kinds of horror movies you can have that versatility within horror you don't have to be, you know, and, and and I, as someone who loves horror, I love a lot of these elevated horror films, and some of them are are some of my favourite movies, but they're still just horror yeah. movies. Horror is a genre that we should embrace, and all sorts of horror movies over the year have really told imp- just powerful, thematically strong stories, and yeah, they've been looked down on by idiot critics because they're not about a fifty-year-old um, university lecturer who's having an affair with a student. <laughs> which is obviously the only form of art. If they do that, but it's got ghosts in it, then it's horror. Yeah, if they do that, but it's got ghosts in it, then it's horror and therefore has to be disregarded entirely. Um, but yeah. Like, what if the what if the professor's a ghost? <laughs> if the professor's a ghost, then, then maybe they can call it a psychological thriller and still get away with it. Right, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe. It's like he wasn't really there. Yeah. Like, um, what lies beneath? It's like that. <laughs> Yeah, what lies beneath. But like, that's a perfect example of a movie that's actually, you know, that was really hugely successful, really great film, really tense and powerful personal story told there. But even then, people still look down on it because it's a horror movie. Yeah, people prefer to say it's a psychological thriller or whatever, but there are really like nasty moments yeah, in it, aren't yeah, there? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I'm not here to have a discussion about what isn't isn't horror because I think that's boring, but I do think it's important to note that you shouldn't be pretentious in the way you assess things or look down on genres. That's all I want to say, really. The answer to what's a horror movie is simple. Does it give you the spooks? If so, it's a horror movie. Yeah. Bish, bash, Does bosh, it give you the done. chills? You get, if if you have a feeling of horror from the movie, then it's a horror movie. <laughs> spook rating. Spook rating, yeah, exactly. How many spooks out of a possible twenty? Although then of course you've got to be Ooh. worried. You've got to be you've got to be careful because 
James Bond movies are technically have a spook rating how many spooks are in them there's always at least james no no just because the film is called specter doesn't mean that it has a spook in it (laughs) no spook is a slang term for a for a spy oh yeah that's right oh like that show spooks exactly yeah (laughs) where does that even come from do you reckon that there was a a spy who once had to dress up as a ghost and that's probably yeah it was just just the annual mi5 halloween party (laughs) Everyone came as a ghost. Everyone came as a ghost. There is, of course, uh, a Spooks movie. Did you ever watch the Spooks movie? No. It's, it's... I saw a bit of that show back in the day. It was all right. Yeah, they made a movie starring Kit Harrington of Game of Thrones called Spooks the Greater Good. Hmm. Although in some countries they refer to it as MI5 instead. Yeah, I, maybe spook isn't a well-known word yeah. in other other territories. Hmm. Um, it was fine. I remember watching it and thinking, that is certainly a spy movie. Um, but you know what wasn't a spy movie? <laughs> Carmilla. There was no spies in this movie. Or maybe no. they were. Maybe that's where Carmilla came from. Maybe she was a Maybe spy. she was, yeah. Because there's very little that's explained about her, isn't there? Yeah. Maybe there's more in the... The novella, but it's, she just sort of appears out of nowhere to serve the purpose of showing how brutal it was at the time and how they treated children and desire and sexuality and lesbianism and all those things. She's yes. really just there to be the vessel for the portrayal of that, isn't she? So it doesn't matter, really, where she comes from, does yeah, it? Yeah, she, she, it, it is this. She's, she's that symbol for... Um, she's a symbol for change in a world that doesn't want change. She's this unknowable being that appears, is thrust into this situation and then disrupts this oppressive situation. You know, oppressive to women, oppressive to people's sexuality, oppressive to any kind of freedom and liberation. Um, and then there's some there's some spooky moments. Like I said, there's the dream sequences. But really, in terms of the actions that she does, it's just playing with someone and romance and then being horrifically murdered. Yeah. The first dream sequence was very, very shocking, actually. Mm. When she, mm. she like pulls out the yeah, the stuff out of the guy's chest. That was pretty nasty. Yeah, no, they are they are quite gruesome, the the um the dream sequences. And it's very jarring. And I think deliberately jarring from what's come before, where it is a very subtle movie. Um, some might say boring if they were being cruel. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden you're hit with Jesus Christ is pulling out a man's guts or Jesus Christ is being sawn so- in half. Um, and so, yeah, that that jarring element of it, I think is quite effective that suddenly you're hit with this ultra violence in a dream sequence. And again, it makes you think, okay, well, how much of this is the influence of Carmilla? Is she really a vampire? Or how much of this is the repression of this situation and the isolation of this situation having an impact on her mental health? And they're, you know, those those sequences, those moments are few and far between and they're spread out enough and sort of short enough to be very, very effective in what they are, aren't mm. they? Yeah. So yeah. that side of it was well done. Yeah, I, I think, I think, like I said, a lot of this movie comes down to um, how much tolerance you have for movies that don't really go anywhere, um, that kind of let you bathe in their atmosphere. 
over. Well, it's sort of, it's not really going anywhere for most of the runtime, and then it really, really goes somewhere, i.e. to the hills just outside the house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they go to to the hills, and then she dies. Um, It's it's almost like the anti-Mandy, isn't it, this movie? Yeah. (laughs) Mandy is great. I love that Um, film. Mandy is amazing, and that's another elevated horror film. I'd say you can chuck that into the the, the mixer of pretentious pretentious nonsense for people who are too afraid to say they like horror movies. Would you um, believe Nicolas Cage is in a good film? <laughs> oh my days, that Nicolas Cage individual. Um, <laughs> we haven't talked about a Cage film in ages. We haven't, no. We, we do need to watch another one soon. Um, but yeah, th- th- that's kind of the... Carmilla is almost the anti-Mandy, where it's a similar kind of thing, where it's very much drenched in atmosphere, and then you've got these short, sharp moments of things happening. But Mandy's atmosphere is so psychedelic and strange and mesmerizing that it feels like you've kind of been thrust into a black hole and you've come out somewhere completely different. Whereas here, it's that darkness, that oppression, that feeling as though nothing is changing, where you can kind of recognize, okay, yeah, this is definitely not going to be a movie for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm glad I'm glad that it exists and that it got made. And it's any attempt to do something different with a work of literature is is a good thing. You know, I, I appreciate what it's what it comes from and what it's trying to do for sure. Yeah, and I I think when we when we think about where those stories of repression that are highlighted through vampire fiction um, come from, I think it's quite interesting that they've chosen this to be adapted in this way. Yeah, that this is getting almost to the root of what was causing vampire fiction to become a thing at the era where it was initially written, which is this sexual repression, um, which which is where a lot of a lot of the power of those original vampire stories comes from. Is there is this sexual nature to them um, that is being being showcased through bloodthirsty, horrifying monsters? Yeah. Um, so I think it's interesting. Dracula is a sexy beast. Dracula is a horn dog. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um please quote me on that somewhere. Um if if I this week's artwork is just gonna be that in quote marks. Yeah. Yes. Um but you know what I mean. Um this is um the eroticism and sex is intrinsic to the vampire story and has been since this era essentially because obviously vampire stories have been around forever but they haven't always been tied into sexuality but when you look at um when you look particularly at this era onwards that sexuality element is really really strong and so actually turning that on its head and looking at it through the lens of the sexual repression of the era i think is a really interesting thing for them to have done absolutely um yeah so yeah more of that um more of that and less of lesbian vampire killers which oddly when you look at the wikipedia for them sheridan lefanu's carmilla is listed under the kind of related films but definitely is not an adaptation of it in any way have you ever watched the fearless vampire killers or the fearless lesbian vampire killers no i have not um i have Have not either because it is obviously it looks like the worst thing i've ever um who's who it's the it's the james corden people yeah horn and corden have you seen all the stuff about james corden the most hated man in the world apparently very he'd been banned from a restaurant for being a horrible person what does not surprise me yeah have you have you ever heard that it's probably not true but there was a great viral story that went around around about james corden 
But um, he ordered a sloppy steak. <laughs> Slop him up, boys. <laughs> um, it's it's a story about James Gordon on a plane. I feel like you've mentioned this to me before, but I can't remember it. I'm going to Google James Corden on a plane and hope that a poster for a film like Snakes on a Plane comes up. <laughs> so, um, it's uh, this came out after, I think, the terrible Ask Me Anything um, or at the same time as the terrible Ask Me Anything thing that, that James Corden did, which, which is quite funny. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, that's, that's right. He, he was very rude to his wife and asked her to hold the baby while he was getting the bags down. So <laughs> here, we, right. here we go. I've got the full story here, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about it. Um, half an hour into a New York to London flight, passengers in, a business, in business class noticed a woman with a crying baby being brought through the curtains by a flight attendant. They looked on in mild horror as they saw the attendant direct her to an empty seat next to James Corden. Expecting a huge celebrity hissy fit to kick off, Corden's cabin mates were impressed to see that he didn't say a word or make any sort of complaint. He simply put on a pair of noise-cancelling headphones, pulled an eye mask over his eyes and turned away from her to sleep. Pretty decent of him, right? When the plane landed, though, passengers were surprised to see Corden remain seated as the woman with the baby struggled to open an overhead locker. Even more surprised when she turned to Corden and said, for fuck's sake, can you at least hold the baby while I get the bags down? Oh, that's right. <laughs> the woman was his wife. The baby was his baby. <laughs> no Did idea. Did that turn out not to be true? Well, no idea if it's true or not. It's just someone on Twitter. Um, on, on Reddit, rather. But um, funny nonetheless. <laughs> but this restaurant stuff is definitely true. But this restaurant stuff is, is definitely I've defi- true. I've definitely been to the restaurant and I definitely saw him there. So, so that's how I know. So what we're saying is it's a shame that he wasn't murdered by a vampire. No. Um. <laughs> and that he didn't, he, he, to the extent that, you, you know, he didn't even get to become a vampire after being bitten. He just died. He just died. He he, he got turned into a horrifying cat creature, which is how, how the movie Cats got made. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's what happened. The most annoying cat in the Cats movie. Remember remember Cats? Remember how the worst bit about that movie was James Corden in one of the worst movies ever made? Would you say Cats is an elevated horror film? <laughs> I'd say it's a fucking buried horror film. That's <laughs> as far down as you can get. As far down as you can get. It's in the Earth's core. I also just remember that he's the voice of Peter Rabbit in the Peter Rabbit movies. Yeah, and my son quite likes Peter Rabbit, so I hope we never have to watch it and I can shield him from it because we've got the original books and stuff. What you should do is make sure that you can only watch it in, like, the French dub. Yeah. And tell him that it's only (laughs) only in French. I'll get the Ukrainian dub, which inevitably will be voiced by Volodymyr Zelensky. (laughs) Doing a great job. Yes, that's what we need. Um, but there's no James Corden in this movie, thankfully. Thank he was too busy being thankfully. in lesbian vampire killers and making terrible TV shows. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I keep meaning to, to read the actual story because it's in the collection In a Glass Darkly, which is one of those things where I literally might have that sitting on my shelf to read at some point. Or it's a glass darkly. In a Glass Darkly is a collection of stories by Sheridan Lafani. Oh, I see. Right. Um, I thought that was something like a scanner darkly. Well, that's where in a scanner darkly came from. Is, ah. is it's a reference to in a glass darkly. Interesting. Um, and yeah, it's 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 a collection of Lefanu's stories. Um, 
and yeah i keep meaning to read it i think i might have it on my desk some on my in my bookcase somewhere so actually maybe i should just sit down and read it yeah that's cool i'm still getting um updates from dracula daily have i told you about this because <laughs> no, dracula daily just me and Dracula chatting because we're. Oh, players, I see. You know. I see. No, I it was um, like a news. You know letter. how? Yeah, no, it is because you know how Dracula's in the public domain. Yes. Um, and it's told. It's told in like diary entries. So some some clever person has taken it and put it to set up a whole thing on Substack to send you the email with the day's diary entry on the actual day. So I think it starts in like March or something and it goes through to around now. I can't remember. But oh, right. Okay. I get the emails. I don't always read them, but sometimes I dip in. And I'm like, oh, that's happening in, now in Dracula land, which is pretty cool. That's really cool, actually. That's such a great idea. Yeah. Just Google Dracula daily and you'll find it. That's a brilliant idea. That's really, that's really cool, actually. I approve of that. That's a brilliant thing. They should do work with all of those sort of diary entry based yeah. um, novels. That's such a great way to do it. Why not? Um, but yeah, no, that's 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 interesting. I suppose they could probably do that with Carmilla because I think that's a similar thing, isn't it? With with it being, um, being a similar sort of of thing where it's written from the perspective of someone writing entries after the fact or during the fact. I think so. I, I've pulled it up. So yeah, it starts on May the third, and the last entry is on November the seventh. I oh, see. So nearly there. Yes, yeah, so nearly there. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so have you got anything else you want to say about, um, um, about Carmilla? Not really. No, I think, I think I've covered it overall. I, it didn't, it didn't do it for me, but there were things about it that I really liked. And when the tension, it, I didn't realize how well the tension was building until things erupted. So I think that is, a, that is a good thing, but yeah, overall I found it a bit dour and a bit dull. And I think that's more a question of personal taste than anything else. I appreciate it for what it is and I can see that it is good. Um, and it was a nice, it was very different to the other things we've we've got on the, the horror slate this month. So I appreciated that. But was disappointed not to get some real vampire action because we have always had that, haven't we? <laughs> it's true. It's true. I'm sorry that I haven't brought you real vampires. Maybe next time. That's cool. Um, it's, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I like it more than you. But I recognise the movie in the same way as you do. And so I think it, it's very much a personal taste thing is this is a real slow burn, introspective movie full of a very oppressive atmosphere. Um, and that atmosphere overrides sort of a, a, a complex plot. So if that's the kind of thing that sounds interesting to you, I think it's something that you could really enjoy. If it's not, then um, then yeah, maybe maybe one to miss out on. But I think it is an interesting film. Um, it's elevated it's an elevated horror movie don't you know um so um how are we going to rate this then uh let's see how many cups of tea are you going to clank loudly before you talk to me in the morning (laughs) so i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna have a solid 14 cups of tea i'm gonna be weeing all day with that number of oh wow tea um yeah i like this movie it's not perfect but i like its atmosphere and it's cool yeah i i will go a bit lower i'll give it a 12 um yeah 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 there was just so much clanking of crockery (laughs) this is the victorian era of course it's (laughs) going to be clanking of crockery how else do people express their emotions during this time yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> right then so anyway up next it's our final movies of um of the of, of halloween month yeah what are we doing and it's gonna be um hocus pocus and hocus pocus 2 gonna be double billing yes nice i've never seen either of them oh wow okay i've not seen the sequel um but uh yeah i've uh, the, the the debut is a is a, a halloween classic for the youngsters no, um, Hocus Pocus, it was one of those ones, I think maybe I already said this in a previous episode, but it was one where like it, there'd always be a trailer for it on other videos that we had. Right, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I I've, I've, must have seen trailers for it a million times, but I've never seen it. Excellent, well, looking forward so I'm looking to, forward to thoughts, it. Yeah. Double bill as well. Um, yeah, I'm a bit sad that we're almost at the end of Spooktober. I know, it's gone so quickly this time around. Yeah, but it's good. We had a good a good slate of things, I think. Yes, yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, well, thanks very much for tuning in. We very much appreciate it. And do go and watch Carmilla. I, I do, would recommend that you watch it, you know, unless you definitely really, really know that you, you don't like dour things like me. But generally, <laughs> if you've got an open mind, I would say it's worth watching, for sure. So go and check it out. It's on Amazon Prime for free. Um, we have a Twitter and stuff. We, we do have a Twitter and stuff. I remember the words that I always say at the end. Um, we record half an hour later in the day, in the evening, and I'm a wreck. I can't remember anything. I, I'm um, the same. I'm absolutely knackered. You can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. You can email us, bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail.com. Um, there's a link in our show notes that's like a virtual tip jar where you can give us money if you like what we do. And we'll be back next week to talk about Hocus Pocus and Hocus Pocus 2. Alrighty, now listen to my song, you bastards. Yeah, enjoy this. <laughs> you hogs. <laughs> you hogs. <laughs> Bye. Bye. My girl, my girl, don't like me. Tell me where did you sleep last night? In the pines, the pines where the sun don't ever shine. I would shiver the whole night.